And now let me welcome on to the Field of 68 season preview, the one and only Tom Izzo, the Michigan State head coach. Coach, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good, Rob. How are you? I am doing well. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this team that you got coming uh, coming back this season. Uh, you got a lot of new faces, a lot of new parts. You've been able to get with them and practice a little bit. What have you seen so far and what have you been impressed by? You know, this will sound odd for uh, middle of October, end of October, but I, I like my team. <laughs> That's not always the norm. Uh, I, I, I like the parts that we got, you know, putting together now and figuring out your playing group. I think we've got, you know, 10, 11 guys that can play. Uh, you know, that's the good news. The bad news is you probably only play eight, maybe nine. And so figuring that out will be a job here in the next couple of weeks. But I also think, you know, we're different than last year. And I'd be the first to admit, I've said it many a times, that uh, some of last year's woes were as much my fault as anybody's and some were nobody's fault. You know, we were one of three big 10 teams that got COVID during the year that created some problems, but at the same time, we also uh, did a very average job of, uh, you know, figuring out who our point guard was, who our center was. It was all by committee, not conducive to success. Sometimes I put some guys uh, in a position and uh, maybe not to succeed and a good coach puts the guys in position to succeed. And sometimes I was just stuck with the situation, but all in all, we battled through after COVID we lost three in a row. And then we came back and won some big games had UCLA beat, but I wouldn't consider us a real solid team last year. We lacked maybe a true point guard and again, nobody's fault, but mine, um, and we rotated people around and uh, so created a little chaos, but I learned from it. I think they learned from it. And this year, you know, uh, AJ Hogart has lost 20 some pounds and is much, much better point guard. Um, you know, we, uh, we think we're pretty solid at the wings. Uh, Max Christie is a, uh, a very good player and we've been surprised how well Jay Nakins Two of those freshmen have played. Uh, you know, Gabe Brown's going to be uh, one of the better shooters we've had at the three. And and Tyson Walker, the transfer, is uh, a legitimate true point guard. That's the position mm -hmm. he played. You know, sometimes, Rob, it seems like we want to make, you know, two guards, point guards, three men, two men, four men, three men, and five men, uh, four men, and and always the one man wants to coach the team. So uh, everybody wants to move a position. I think I got guys in the position they belong. So I do want to talk about your point guard spot a little bit, because I feel like that's kind of the the key to, to how everything works with your roster, especially on the offensive end. You know, I, I feel like we're always going to be saying for the next decade, is this the year that Michigan State finds a replacement for Cassius Winston? And I just don't think you're ever going to find a replacement for a dude that was that special. But it feels like you have – a lot of options this year that are a little bit more uh, point guard first instead of scoring first, which I think is kind of beneficial to that role for you, especially with the way that you guys play in transition. So talk to me about Tyson. What have you seen out of him? And can AJ or Jaden kind of step in and, and uh, take some of that load off his plate? Well, first of all, let's, let's go back to last year. You know, um, I mean, Rocket Watts is a phenomenal player. I love him. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pulling for him every day, but, you know, not only maybe wasn't he a true point guard, you know, you can get away with that. 
But when you're changing positions and then you have no May, June, July, August, September because of COVID, you know, it was one of those perfect storms. And so I feel bad that I put him in a position that I did. And uh, Foster Lawyer, you know, both those guys, as you say, were more shooters, scorers first. And, um, you know, we didn't adjust to it well. I think the lack of time to prepare hurt us there when you're changing. But I do think uh, a quarterback is is critical. I mean, that's like a college football. I know for us this year, our quarterback and receivers, quarterback has made our receivers or receivers have made our quarterback. But you look in pro ball, you know, Tom Brady's the uh, ultimate at it. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, great teams usually have great quarterbacks. And I think you're right about the caches. You know, it, it took me like 10 years to figure out how to replace Mateen Cleaves. Um, those kind of guys don't come around. Now, Cassius was completely different than Mateen. Mm -hmm. You know, Mateen was completely different than Magic. But you're right. They don't come around every year. And uh, I, I think by committee, we're going to be much better. And I think uh, maybe a truer uh, point guard this year. And I think we have the shooters. Marcus Bingham is a good shooter. Uh Joey Hauser is a much better player so far this year than maybe last year. And I think part of it is getting the ball at the right place. He's one of the great, I think he's one of the best three-point shooting big men there is in the country. I really do. And uh, so last year didn't give him a great chance. So yeah, quarterback's important and uh, replacing Cassius as far as the feel for the game, what I got to do is try to replace him with speed pushing the ball a little bit more and maybe a little better defensively. But uh, Cassius Winston was a special player. Yeah, that I mean, that shooting is definitely going to help. The more shooters you have, the more space it's created, the easier the life is for your point guard. So uh, I do think that that is a uh, – that'll be fun for you to, to kind of coach this season. I want to ask you about Max Christie. Uh, he's the guy that seems like he's getting a little bit of buzz. It feels like every year there's a freshman on every team that people are talking about. How has his adjustment gone and, and how valuable has it been to be able to – uh, kind of get a freshman to come in and have those those four months in the offseason, those four months in the summer to kind of, uh, you know, figure out what exactly you're looking for and how to be a college basketball player. Well, I never realized how valuable the summer was till we didn't have one the year before. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of see, uh, are we really giving guys that have to come in and play? You know, I mean, I took Rocket. He is a heck of a two guard. He's playing with Cassius. I mean, Rocket was the reason we got to a Final Four the year before, and uh, or didn't get to one, but I think could have got to one. COVID took it away, won the Big Ten Championship. And, uh, you know, I, th I think when you look at a guy like Max Christie coming in, getting stronger, getting better defensively, absolute sponge for the game. I mean, this kid, um, you tell him what to do, he does it. You tell him to do something different, he does it. You tell him to... You know, get better defensively, he does it. Uh, he's a coach's dream in that respect. And at six five, five and a half, shoot it from long range and way better with the ball than I thought. Um, I think he's going to be uh, – I mean, I think he's got a chance to be one of the best freshmen in the whole country. I really do. And uh, you put that with Jay Nakins, who has surprised us a little bit. You know, usually you get a guy, Rob, and he's never as good as when you recruited him. Well, Max has been as good or even a little better, but we knew what we were getting in Max. 
Jaden has been better. So the two of them together both can play the wings. Uh, Jaden's more athletic, not as big. Max has got length and he's got all the intangibles. Um, I'm excited about those two guys and where I think they're going to help us this year. The thing I really like about your roster this year is the way that you can kind of give give people different looks, right? If you want to run two guards out there, two point guards out there, you could probably play either AJ or Jaden alongside Tyson. If you want to go a little bit bigger, you can slide Gabe Brown down to the two. Uh, you could probably play Joey Hauser and, and Malik Hall together if you needed to. Um, if you wanted to go small, I'm sure that one of those guys could slide up and play the five. I don't know if that's really your thing, but it's something that probably in theory you'd be able to do. So to me, it's, it's Gabe, it's Joey, and it's Malik that kind of allow you to have a little bit of, of that freedom. Um, I feel like all three of those guys are ready to take a step this season as well. So who's been, who's been good, who got better <laughs> off season and who's, uh, who's really impressed you out of that group? Well, you know, you sound like you're in our meetings, man. You either did your homework. <laughs> can't believe a, one of you media guys could do your homework like that, but you hit the nail on the I, head, Rob. Hey, I, I've been, I've been, I've talked enough to Jeff Goodman over the course of last year to know that. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Actually about know that. What you're talking about, right? He doesn't know what he's talking about. One of us has to at the field of 68. Well, he, he was here the other day, so I, I think he does, but um, you really did hit the nail on the head. You know what Hauser, he could, hell, he could play the three, four or five. Um, Malik could play the three, four or five. You know, you're right. You might not always think about small ball, but if you play a Kofi Cockburn at Illinois, um, hard to guard him, but he'd have trouble guarding Hauser too or, or Malik. So we can move some people around and uh, Gabe can play the two, three, or four. But, you know, you look at what we didn't have last year, maybe a true point guard, what we didn't have last year is much shooting. You know, uh, Aaron Henry had a heck of a year for us. And he could score it in a lot of different ways. But as far as a knockdown shooter, Gabe Brown probably has that. Gabe's almost 6'8 now. He's got great length, 7'7", seven, seven, wingspan. And uh, might be the hardest worker on my team. That's always a positive. And so uh, Malik Hall, we think, is a big X factor. Because with Malik, we could switch four all the time. He can guard a point guard, and he can guard a center. So we could even do it with five. So... Yeah, versatility is what our best teams here over the years have had. I think this team has versatility. The double point guards, uh, smaller wings, bigger wings. Uh, we can go a lot of different directions. Uh, the damn coach got to figure out how to do it, though, <laughs> because I think we have the pieces. Putting them together, I think, will be the critical part. Yeah, I think Malik, to me, just kind of looking from the outside, is the guy that I would be – the most excited about kind of seeing what he's going to be this season. You, know, you, you see flashes of it throughout the years, right? He had 17 in that game um, at Seton Hall a couple of years ago. He had a couple dunks on people last season. He's got the size. He could shoot. He could step out. I think he's stronger than people realize as well. He's got to be what, like 230 pounds, something like that. Like he's, he's, about, he's, got a he's about 220, Rob, 222, but he is a very strong. You're right. I mean, he's cut. I mean, he's a boxer. He's cut, you know, and uh, there's not a lot of body fat on that body. So uh, you're, you're exactly right. He has improved his three-point shooting. I think he's improved his ball handling. He was a great rebounder. The problem is I've been playing him at the three, playing him at the four. And, you know, like Gabe, they got to learn to go rebound from those perimeter positions. And that's that, that takes some time. So uh, I think Malik is a very valuable uh, member. And yet you also hit the nail on the head on the negative. 
can he consistently do the things? Because he's a great kid. He works his tail off. Really smart student and a really smart basketball player. It's just putting it all together and maybe that passion and drive to be great. You know, I, I think sometimes his humbleness might hurt him a little bit. As they say, you got to be a little cocky to be good. And uh, sometimes I think, well, he's got to set his standards a little higher. If he does that, I think he can achieve them. All right, so the, the five spot is the other one that's a little bit of a – I don't know if question mark is the right word, but there's going to be a couple people fighting for that position. Uh, Marcus Bingham, um, Julius Marble, Maddie Sissoko, what, what, are we, what are we seeing out of these kids? And uh, who are you kind of – you know, who are you hoping kind of steps forward and, and, and takes ownership of that spot? I'm hoping Marcus does because Marcus at seven foot with a seven, four and a half inch wingspan, he can do some things. Now he gained a little bit of weight, but he's had trouble gaining weight. And I'm always mad at him for that. I mean, I can gain weight easy. You know, I don't know what's so hard about it, but uh, sometimes some bodies don't gain as much. What he did do in his three, four summers now here he had by far the best summer he's ever had getting stronger. He is much stronger. His conditioning is a little better. I think that area has got to improve a little bit. Um, he can shoot a three and he can, will be able to shoot a three. We're going to want him to shoot threes, just not threes off the dribble. I mean, God can barely do that. So, uh, you know, I, I need Marcus to stay within his uh, disciplines there. Uh, he's a very good rebounder when he's in there. You know, sometimes he floats to the perimeter, but he has skills of passing. He catches the ball pretty well. He's got a lethal jump hook. He just doesn't use it enough. So hopefully all those things, but his focus, his maturity has grown a lot, whether it's enough, we'll see. But I'd say a leader in the, in the uh, clubhouse right now. Yeah, I think in theory, he's he's just such a perfect piece in this specific Big Ten and the way that this is going to kind of shape out. Because you look at the best teams in this league, they all have monsters at the five. Whether they it's do have monsters. And yeah. some of the, most of those monsters are monsters this way mm -hmm. and this way. Yeah, huge. You know, but uh, he's not the monster this way, but he can shoot it and do some things that those other monsters can't do. So uh, I, I think you're right. Our surprise guy has been Julius Marble. Um, I won't say the light went on. You know, he went through a tough deal, lost his father partway through his freshman year. And uh, suddenly, and that was, that was tough. And then everybody, you know, like Hauser, like him, I think COVID affected, I talked to NBA guys, everybody handled COVID differently. You know, some breezed through it, uh, some really struggled. I think those two guys really struggled with it. And uh, uh, Julius has had a remarkable spring, summer, and fall. And uh, he's got his jump hook going. He's athletic enough. He's, he's probably the toughest. You know, him and Marty are the tougher guys. And then Marty, you know, a guy that hasn't played ball that long and then broke that hand before he came his freshman year, he is starting now. His jump hook's coming. But he's a rebounding, shot-blocking guy. That is 240 and tough. And uh, we're going to need him against some of those monsters, as you call them. So I think we have a variety. Last year, though, it was a variety by uh, 
crisis. This year, I'm hoping that we have a smooth, you know, where maybe we can even play two of those guys together if we want to go really big, you know. So, again, it gives us some versatility, but I think we're going to be able to go harder. Marcus had problems with foul trouble at times. If, if we're in that, I think we're a lot more solid this year than we were last year. Yeah, so I, I, I want to end it with this. Um, you, you talked a little bit about some, how some of these guys dealt with so the, the stuff with COVID last year. And I, I don't think people realize quite the level of isolation that a lot of these college basketball players were dealing with. This year, it's, it's back to some level of normalcy, right? You're able to, I'm assuming, you're able to have like team dinners after practices and on the road and things like that. And um, you're going to have fans in the Breslin Center. You're going to be able to uh, function about as close as, as we can get to a normal college basketball program, more or less this season. So how much are you looking forward to that? You, you get the, you know, you get your student section back, you get fans in the stands. The, the Breslin center is going to be rocking this year. I, for me, that is the thing that I'm most looking forward to because college basketball, look, it's never going to be as good as the NBA and basketball is never going to be as big as football, but nothing in this country can match going into a, a raucous home environment in a conference game in February on a college basketball campus. And I cannot wait for that. Very well said. In fact, just two days ago, we had a camp out for the zone tickets. We had a record number by far. We had over 4,000 kids. We had over 1,200 tents out across the street here. It rained a little bit. Everybody stayed. It was awesome. Even I camped out. So it was, uh, Did? didn't get any sleep, but <laughs> four o'clock, baby, I get in the water out of my tent. But anyway, um, that is so true. You know, it's, it's uh, and, and our environment is one of the better ones in the country. So uh, we need it, you know, and we want it. And I think for the players, you know, your, your comments about how isolated they were, you know, where we really noticed it, Rob, the weight room last year when we could lift some in the summer, it had to be in sections of two guys. Mm -hmm. And now we have 14 in there and the energy level is tripled, you know, Last year, we were in two separate locker rooms and the, the togetherness and camaraderie. And, and that's not an excuse because everybody went through something like that, but everybody handled it differently, too. And, uh, you know, I, I think when we got COVID and we're out 20 days in the middle, end of January to the middle of February, um, then came back on a Monday and played Thursday on the road, Sunday on the road, Tuesday on the road. Um, you know, as mad as I was about how we played, I looked back and I said, well, of course you played that way. So no excuses. We didn't have as good a year. That falls on the head coach and putting people in a position and handling tough situations. But not everybody went through the COVID either. You know, some, some, programs didn't it didn't hit at all and some it did so um i'm just looking forward to what you said the normalcy getting it back uh looking out my window and seeing kids walk into class i'm not lying to you first semester last year we have fifty thousand students here i didn't see a human being for a, a long time i did barely saw a car drive by um it was Hey, let's face it, it was one of the most bizarre things, and everybody, again, dealt with it differently. I'm just happy it's kind of behind us. I hope we continue to, you know, me, I hope we continue to mask up and get our vaccine. I want to get rid of it for good. I want to get rid of it no matter what anybody thinks. I just want to do whatever is best to get rid of it 
and then uh, let the college basketball season begin. And we're going to have some fun. Hopefully, we'll get to talk to you again. Rather you send yourself than Goodman, but if I got to <laughs> take him, I'll take him. Well, I'll be there uh, November 9th at Madison Square Garden when you guys are uh, playing. I believe it's is it Kansas, right? You get Kansas in the opener? Yeah, we get the number three ranked team. You know, That's it seems luck. like every year when somebody has a good year, we get them. You know, when it was Duke's year, I mean, it's always Duke, Kentucky. I mean, we always got good teams there, but I think Kansas, they got a lot of transfers. It'll be a different uh, Kansas team. You're going to have to do a lot of guessing on personnel, but at the same time, uh, that's the way it's going to be in college basketball this year. We're looking forward to getting to Madison Square Garden, hopefully a packed house, and see where it goes. Oh, it, it, it'll be full. It'll be full. There's a, there's no way around that. I think people are just dying to get into some kind of sporting. I went to a Philadelphia 76ers preseason game with my son because I was that desperate to actually go to a live game. First one I've been to in probably 20 months. And uh, it was awesome. My son was a big fan of the cheerleader. So um, that's kind of where that's kind of where the old block, I guess, man, that's that's good. Like father, like son. (laughs) Well, listen, coach, it's been great, man. It was good to catch up and I will see you on November 9th. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Before we move on, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up for Bet Rivers yet, now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their rush pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, it's more secure, and it's more reliable. Now that basketball season is tipping off, Get in on the action at betrivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And while I got you here, let's talk about the Field of 68 Media Network, where college basketball matters most all year round. This is a digital media and podcast network that we've been building over the course of the last year. We have shows hosted by some of your favorite players covering the program that they love the most. A.J. Guyton hosts the House of Hoosier. Eric Devendorf covers Syracuse on the scorer's table. Dan Dickow hosts the Gonzaga Bulldog broadcast. We have Florida's Patrick Young and Duke's Andre Dawkins and North Carolina's Shimon Williams and Michigan's Stu Douglas and Illinois' Deion Thomas. The list goes on and on and on. We have more than 30 shows right now. So hit the links below and check them all out. And while you're at it, make sure that you go check out the Field of 12 Media Network, your home for college football. That was Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo. And now let me join onto the program, the brains behind Sleepers Media and the hosts of the unscripted podcast, the Field of 68 podcast, covering the Michigan State Spartans, Greg Waddell and Carter Elliott. Gentlemen, what's going on? How are we doing today? What an intro, man. I think everyone who's listened to the sleepers has been waiting years for us to follow up Tom Izzo. So this is the moment you've all been waiting for. I love it. Yeah, not gonna lie. Dream come true right here. So very excited. <laughs> yeah, he was the uh, the opening act. You guys are the real stars of the show. And speaking of being stars of the show, uh, take me through your favorite memory from uh, getting into Big Ten Media Day. You guys changed the game. You know, I don't think that media days are ever going to be the same now. So what was your favorite memory? <laughs> Man, uh, I think I'm going to have to go with the fact that Connor McCaffrey said his favorite song was Girls Love Girls from Certified Lover Boy. I think that was my favorite moment, to be honest. Not going to lie to you. Yeah, ours, I'll, give you a, 
I'll give you a behind the scenes one. We took a shot of bourbon at 7 a.m. the first day to just to calm the nurse a little bit in the hotel room. That's something I'll never forget. <laughs> a shot of bourbon at 7 a.m.? Yeah, hey, I mean, hey. just spice it up a little bit, you know. Get the edge off a little bit. <laughs> Sleepers media never change, fellas. That, is that why you're called Sleepers media? Because you get so drunk you fall asleep? Pretty much. <laughs> Got a couple of meanings. Um, all right. So uh, we're here to talk about Michigan State. And I think we would be remiss if we did not talk about the most important thing regarding this Michigan State program. Uh, they lost the future uh, face of Michigan State basketball, the future star of the program, the most important player on the court, the star point guard that was coming up, Foster Lawyer. How is this program ever going to recover from his decision to transfer out? Or you got to take that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie. The the great part about this year, and best of luck to those dudes in their new adventure, but we got a little bit of the Clarkston extras off of the team. So I think that we finally have some options this year at point guard, and that's an issue that was very prevalent last year. Like, that's not something that Michigan State teams are used to, not having – some solidarity and some, you know, just some consistency at point guard. And we lacked that last year. This year, I think we got a couple options that could solidify that with Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard, maybe Jaden Akins, the freshman coming in. So I think the point guard situation should be somewhat solidified this year. So Sparty fans shouldn't have to worry about that. But Greg <laughs> might think differently. I do think differently. I mean, let's be honest, like, Saying last year we didn't have a point guard is great. And Tom Izzo said that about 10 times at Big Ten Media Day. The problem is if you're starting point guard this year is a point guard you had last year who was not a starting point guard, you still don't have a starting point guard. But that's why he went out. That's why he got Tyson Walker. Um, I mean, there's a lot of similarities to the way he can navigate pick and rolls to the success Cassius Winston had at Michigan State. I don't think it's going to be as prolific at the Big Ten level, but he's a guy who opens everything up for everybody else. I think the sooner Tyson Walker's handed the keys, the better this Michigan State team is going to be this season. So let's talk about this just kind of from a big picture, right? Because it does feel like it's a little bit of a different era, right? We don't have Cassius Winston. You don't have Xavier Tillman. The guy that was kind of the connective tissue to that era was Aaron Henry. He's gone as well. So it's a lot of new faces are going to kind of be in new and, and, and bigger roles this year, Carter. So who, let me ask you, let me phrase it this way. Who, who is the guy on Michigan State this year? Who is the star? Who's the player with 10 seconds left on a shot clock that you're giving the rock to and saying, go make something happen? Right now, we need that guy to be Max Christie. And that might be unfortunate because it is a freshman and that's a lot to put on a freshman guard. But you know, he has the talent to do it. And Tom Izzo has talked very highly of him and what he's done in the summer and practice so far. And if I had to pinpoint one guy who has to take that shot, it has to be him. So he has to be that guy for us this year because I don't really see that coming from any other player on our team right now. Greg, where do you stand? Uh, yeah, I co-signed that 100%. It's Max Christie. When you talk about eras, right, like you're dead on. It was Cassius Winston. It was Xavier Tillman. Last year it was nobody. It, like as much as we love Aaron Henry and he was a great Spartan, there was never an Aaron Henry era at Michigan State that led to any success. He was a part of other guys' eras. I think we're stepping into what should be the Max Christie era. I mean, he's going to be here for two years at minimum, it sounds like. He's not a guy who has expressed he wants to be a one and done. Obviously, that can change. I think he's going to have every opportunity in the world to put his skills on display. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he leads this team in scoring, if he's the guy who ends up getting the individual accolades. Um, but bottom line, he's the talent, right? He's the most prestigious talent on this roster. That's going to be noticeable from day one. 
Uh, and he comes along with another freshman in Jaden Akins and a third freshman in Pierre Brooks, who I think Spartan fans are extremely high on that can be the foundational core for some really winning teams in the next few years. So we've talked a, a little bit about some of the guards, but I happen to think that the, the front court is where it kind of gets interesting with this team, right? Like I still think that there's a lot of potential with Gabe Brown, given the way that, that he can kind of jump and given the athleticism he has and the way that he can shoot. Joey Hauser, you know, he's going to be a guy that can get a bucket, right? He's going to be able to make a shot. Marcus Bingham to me is still interesting. And Malik Hall is the guy. It feels like he is the player that's kind of built the way that you want a modern forward to be, but it, it feels we just haven't seen him be able to come out and be that guy yet. Does that make sense, Greg? It does 100%. I think the thing with Malik Hall is we need to define what the best case version of Malik Hall is. Is it 30 minutes a night at the power forward spot and he's kind of a point forward type that you can run some offense through that can defend multiple positions? Is it a guy who needs to be able to play three positions? Because when you look at the roster, Joey Hauser, to me, is one of the more important offensive pieces on a team that really struggled offensively last year at times. And in order for the best case version of Michigan State to be the best case version of Michigan State, I think you need Joey Hauser on the floor. That leaves Malik Hall in a really weird spot. I think people should be excited that he was named a captain, you know, as a, as a junior. He's a guy who, you know, projects now to be that sort of vocal leader for this team for two years. And it'll be interesting because Izzo wasn't afraid to say, you know, we can play Hall and Hauser together, whether that means Malik at the three or one of them jumping up and trying to guard fives will be very interesting to see itself flesh out. Um, but to me, if he can assert himself as a guy who needs 25 minutes a game and not a 50 50 split with Joey Hauser, it would do major things for the team. Yeah, I think you kind of hit on the biggest issue that I have with this Michigan State team, and it's that the best five players or the best team that you could put on the floor, right, for Michigan State overall is not going to have their best five players on it. Does that make sense, Carter? Yeah, it definitely does. And that, I mean, to echo what Greg said, I think that Malik Hall has or has shown flashes of making like having a playmaking ability. I don't necessarily know if I want to really put him at the three and have him running out of that position. Like you said, having him as like a small ball four or a prototypical college four would be very ideal. But then also if you put Joey Hauser at the five, that scares me defensively. The fact that he's going to have to guard Kofi and Travion's and the list goes on and on of all these great front court players in the big 10. So with the front court, I really think that Marcus Bingham needs to take that kind of Michigan state big man turn uh, players like Matt Costello players like Xavier Tillman, even Nick Ward, as they go on in their career, they kind of take a turn and have that year. And, you know, Marcus Bing is a senior now, so it's time for him to make that leap. He needs to really solidify himself at that center spot defensively and also needs to be a threat on the offensive end. I think he has some skill set to do that. He has a soft touch. He has kind of a good feel. Can shoot the three. Are they going to let him shoot it? Who knows? But I think that he really needs to lock down that spot and really assert himself this year in the front court. I heard a little PTSD there, right? From a from a, your six foot seven, Carter. You were a big man. I know you wanted to shoot some threes, and I'm guessing your coach at Albion didn't let you shoot many threes, huh? Oh no, that's the reason I missed half my threes because I had one eye on the rim and my other eye looking at the bench. <laughs> if I missed it, and I get pulled out. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, Greg: What is the identity of this Michigan State team? Normally, it is when you think defense, you think rebounding, you think buckets and transition, you think point guards and ball screens, right? When you think of Michigan State, at least in like the last three or four years, I don't know if that's the best way for this group to play. You just mentioned, Carter just talked about Marcus Bingham. 
even if Marcus Bingham's at his best, like I don't know what he's going to do against guys like Hunter Dickinson and guys like Kofi and guys like Trace Jackson Davis and guys like Trevion Williams. Like those dudes are going to put him in the rim and just score over him. So is this the, the year that that Tom Izzo should finally go full small ball, play Malik Hall at the five, play Josie How- Joey Hauser at the four, play Gabe Brown at the three, and make those big guys come out and guard you on the perimeter? Is, is this the year he should finally do it? You know, I think it's a good year for him to finally come to that conclusion. Now, anyone who's listening to this that has seen Tom Izzo through the years knows it takes quite a bit for that man to change from his stubborn views on what his team's identity should be. Now, I think this roster begs for that to some extent. Even if Marcus Bingham is the five, like, let's be honest, Marcus Bingham is, even though he's tall, you're still playing small ball if Marcus Bingham's your center. The man has like Linguini for arms and has shot 42% from the floor for his career through three years. He's not a center. So like this team to me is a team that does have a decent defensive ceiling because if Marcus Bingham is on the floor, one thing he can do is block shots. I think Tyson Walker, as small as he is, is a really scrappy defender. And then I think on the wings, you've got a couple guys that can be really versatile and switch a little bit. And Gabe Brown, who... Looks like he's 6'10 now with an eye test with massive wingspan. Uh, and then Malik Hall, who we already said is really multi-versatile. So I think if if they can take on an identity of a team that's just kind of going to scrap you, even if they're a little bit smaller, I think that makes sense. And then offensively to me, they got to get back down to just the basic Michigan State principle of we're going to get out and run. And I think it was difficult for them to do that last year when you had Rocket Watts and Foster Lawyer leading that show. We all believe that Tyson Walker is the guy who can get there. And even if A.J. Hogard is playing more than people expect him to, a second year in the system, he's going to be able to get this team out in transition. And then I think Gabe Brown, Max Christie get featured. So offensively, I don't have questions with this team. It's can they scratch and claw their way to wins on the defensive side of the ball? So how do you guys feel about A.J. Hogard? Because I remember watching him in high school and thinking like, okay, this kid, he, he might be okay. Um, and then when he got to Michigan State, it just, I don't know, feel like it felt like it never really clicked for him. Was that just part of having a freshman season in the middle of a COVID year? Or is that because he wasn't good enough for the Big Ten? Where are you at on that, Carter? Uh, I just think that, you know, he is a player that came out of high school. And I think what would be big for him is he needed like that summer up at Michigan State to get his body right first because he's a little thicker, you know, kind of a bigger guard. So I kind of needed him to get his body right now. I think that he should be able to kind of run a pick and roll and be a good point guard. He has the passing ability, maybe tries to make the tough pass more than the easy pass sometimes, but it gets him in trouble. And also he has trouble finishing in the lane because he is a kind of a not, not what I consider an athletic guard. So I'm really hoping that, you know, this summer kind of just having that work. And is, I mean, from everything that I've seen so far, his body does look better. Uh, do I think that AJ Hogard is the point guard that needs to be starting for this team to win? Personally, no, I think that should be Tyson Walker, but we are going to need some contributions from AJ Hogard. And, you know, we're not going to be able to play Tyson Walker the whole game. So we're going to need him to be able to run this offense and run this team. And I cannot wait to see some pick and rolls with Joey Hauser this year because I didn't get to see it at all last year. And that's where we're going to get our best Joey Hauser. I cannot wait to see it. Pick and pops, you mean, not rolls, by the way. Yeah, he ain't rolling. Hauser ain't rolling. You're right. Good catch. (laughs) Um, so let me ask you guys this. And I'm curious both your opinion. Who is the uh, – we, we talk about X factors or breakout players or whatever, however you want to phrase it. Who is the guy on Michigan State this year that, that you are expecting to be able to kind of take a step forward to, to play a little bit of a bigger role that's going to be the guy that determines um, whether or not this team kind of hits their ceiling or not? Greg, why don't you go first? 
Yeah, I think from a returning player perspective, it's Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown is the guy who has cracked the rotation. He's been an important piece. He's a fan favorite. He, you know, is the goofiest player in Division One basketball, if you see his sideline reactions. But all that said, all he's really done has been a prolific shooter. You can't even necessarily call him a 3 and D guy because he gets lost defensively quite a bit. Um, and if you look at the wing depth on this roster, unless you are bumping Malik Hall down or unless Jaden Akins really breaks out and is able to play the two and the three as a freshman, you need 30 minutes a game from both Gabe Brown and Max Christie. And being the guy who is the returnee, a senior, a captain, a lot of that burden has to fall on Gabe Brown's shoulders, both intangibly with leadership and talking, communication, and then tangibly, can he put the ball in the basket as a go-to scorer instead of the fifth option on the floor? Um, and I think he is capable. I think even some of the videos from the open practice that I've seen, even just like summer workout stuff, like he's showing more off the dribble than he's ever done in a Michigan State uniform. I think by default, we're going to see more of that because he has to be that. But if he can turn into a guy who's like an honorable mention, Big Ten type, that raises this team ceiling immensely. Yeah, I'm going to go with other captain in this situation. I'm going to go with Malik Hall. I think that Malik Hall, if he has the ability to have a respectable outside shot, which up until this point he has not shown from three-point range or kind of inside that from the mid-range as well, I think that he is able to match up with some of these bigs in the Big Ten and they won't be able to guard him off the dribble, especially if he can show that he can knock down that outside shot. So I'm banking on Malik kind of showing that summer work and kind of showing that jumper. And I think that he can be a real mismatch in this league guarded by some of these big men. So I think not only does he have to be a leader as a captain, but also he needs to show some advancement in his game going into his junior year and taking those steps to improve parts of his game, which will overall make him a better player. Yeah. And to your point about Malik is kind of a small ball five, he weighs, or at least he's listed at the same weight as uh, Mark Spingham. They're both listed at 225 pounds. All right. So we can wrap it up with this. Big Ten's loaded again this year. There's a lot of talent at the top. Purdue, Michigan, uh, Ohio State. Some people are going to have Illinois winning the conference. Indiana's going to be good again. Uh, Maryland, some people think are going to end up being good. Where do you guys stand on what a successful Michigan State season looks like? Like we get to March and you say, okay, you know what? Tom Izzo did a good job. We had a good season this year, Carter. What, what does that look like for you? I'm going to say top five in the Big Ten. I'm not going to put I was going to say top four, but I realistically speaking, this top half of the Big Ten is very tough, like you just pointed out with some of those teams. But I think that we need to finish around the fifth spot in the Big Ten, maybe higher, depending on, you know, the impact we get from players like Max Christie. But I think turning it around and finishing around that fifth spot in the Big Ten will be a successful season for me. So why why I respect Michigan State as a program and their fan base is that they expect big things. They don't say we made the NCAA tournament. That's a success. That's what happened last year. And across the fan base, it was viewed as a massive disappointment. It speaks to all that Tom Izzo has done in his two and a half decades as head coach, that that is the expectation. I think there needs to be a jump from where they finished last season. And quite honestly, I think everyone's expecting one, which scares me a little bit because despite, you know, the breath of fresh air of this freshman class, they do lose a lot. You're losing Josh Langford. You're losing Rocket Watts. You're losing guys who played major minutes on this team. So I think there's more unknowns than people expect. But I think Tom Izzo, if you followed the course of his career, he does really, really well with groups that don't come in as a preseason conference favorite, 
that he really likes the chemistry of. And I could see it palpably from him at Big Ten Media Day. Like, he loves this group. So to me, a win in the NCAA tournament, maybe a second weekend in the NCAA tournament would definitely be viewed as a success. And maybe more importantly, if this team's a factor in the conference tournament race by late February, I think the Spartan program is back to humming where it belongs. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I don't know if you guys just heard that, but my phone ended up going off. That's the first time ever in recording all of these that I didn't have my phone on uh, on vibrate. So with that, Carter Elliott, Greg Waddell, Sleepers Media, the Unscripted Podcast. I appreciate you guys being here. Thank you, Rob. Always a pleasure. pleasure.